So this morning's the last part of the series that we've been doing on uh, offline, and uh, Nathan did a great job last week. If you are here last week, Nathan Taylor preached really, really well. First time he's preached in church, and uh, he was excellent, and uh, he's recovering today. <laughs> um, so we want to finish a bit early today, because obviously we want to do the water baptisms and not keep everyone around too long. So I'm going to do my best to keep this to 45 minutes. <laughs> Joke. Uh, so this morning's message is called uh, Fight Club. Uh, the fight is not over, fighting for relationships. Uh, there was a man in Germany felt that he needed to confess something, so he went to his priest. Forgive me, my father. Hey, we've got a couple of Germans here. <laughs> Forgive me, my father. I've sinned. During World War II, I hid refugees in my attic. Well, answered the priest, that's not a sin. But he was a wealthy man, Father. Uh, it's still not a sin, my son. But I asked him to pay me $1,000 a week to hide him, to which he gave me his bank account details, and, I've been, and I deducted the money each week. Uh, the priest said, I admit that's not good. You profited through this man in difficult circumstances, but you still saved his life, so you are forgiven. Oh, thank you, Father. That eases my mind. Uh, I have just one more question. Yes, what is it, my son? Do I have to tell him the war is over? (laughs) The war is not over. (laughs) The Bible makes it clear that we are in a battle, that we are fighting for the things that we love in our life. Um, And there's three of the toughest battles that we're going to have in our life Number uh, two of the two and one, two are support or underpinned by another one. But one is the fight to love ourselves in a healthy way. So to believe in ourselves, to love ourselves in a, in a godly way, not in an unhealthy way, egotistical way. The fight to love others without wanting reciprocation is, is a fight. And both of those, our ability to love others in a healthy way, uh, ourselves in a healthy way, and our ability to love others will flow out of our understanding of God's love for us. They come out of the ability to love ourselves, the ability to love others without expecting, needing, or wanting, although it's good to have it, them to reciprocate and fill our own love tank we're able to do that because we, we already understand, know, and are founded in God's love for us. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. 1 John 4.16 says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and we have believed. That word known there in the original language doesn't just mean, oh, yeah, I know about it like I know New York is in America. It means to know intimately, to understand, to to be close to, to to know it. Uh, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, the devil will try and get us to doubt God's love and care for us at different stages in our life. He will always take an opportunity to try and cement doubt, unbelief, or separation between our trust, our faith, our love, and our obedience to Christ. Um, Because he knows if we're uncertain about God's love, then what we'll do is look for constant reassurance of God's love in our circumstances. 
You know, when you first get into a, a relationship, I remember I can talk about Nick because she's not here today and no one's going to tell her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're in the early stages of a relationship and you're developing, you might have feelings for them, but you're not really sure about their feelings. And so you, you, you're sort of putting out hints, aren't you, to try and get, uh, do they really like me? Do they, do they love me? And you're looking for, uh, you're putting out um, almost like um, little tests, if you like. Am I alone in this? Or, you know, you're just trying to work. Just try, <laughs> I'm on my own, thanks. <laughs> you, you try to work things out because you don't want to just go, oh, I love you. And they go, ah, okay, awkward. <laughs> so you, you sort of take little steps and you, you, you put little tests out there. And, and uh, because, um, uh, because if you're unsure... Uh, or you're, or you're uh, insecure in the relationship, if you're insecure or unsure about the love, then what happens is you begin to do things that, that are constantly testing that love. And over a period of time, what happens if, if you are constantly testing it, then it, you begin to sabotage it because you're, of your own insecurity. You start acting or, or reacting in a dysfunctional way because you're uncertain or unsure about the reciprocation of their love um, uh, because every act or reaction gets filtered through the uh, see that proves he doesn't love me he didn't text me straight back so he doesn't care or uh, I told her I was tired and she said suck it up <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that means she doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me. Uncertainty, uncertainty breeds insecurity. Insecurity gives birth to many dysfunctional behaviours. When we're insecure, we start to act and react in dysfunctional ways, trying to gain security because we need security. We, we want certainty, particularly when it comes to affection, when it comes to love, when it comes to uh, relationships. And in law, uh, so, uh, I mean, example is Abraham. Abraham's uncertainty regarding God's faithfulness and His promise, that insecurity led to the, the to his dysfunctionality, which caused Ishmael to come, which was not God's plan, not God's purpose, not God's promise. But because of his own insecurities, uncertainty about whether God was going to come through with what He said and he, His promises would be fulfilled, he ended up acting in a, in a way he, which he wouldn't normally, ended up you know, sleeping with the, with the maid, and uh, that's a whole other story. Um, and, and Ishmael was born and gone, goes, look, that's not, that wasn't my plan. But because of his own uncertainty, because he got to a point where he's like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen, I don't know if God's going to come through, I need to make something happen, his insecurity led to his dysfunctionality, which resulted in him doing things which he ended up regretting down the track. In life, you'll have opportunities to question God's love. Life will give you opportunities to question God's love. If God really loved me, then why? If God really loved me, then he would. Dot, dot, dot. And so life will always give us these opportunities to question whether God's for us, whether God loves us, whether God believes in us. And it's easy to be tempted into interpret, interpreting God's love towards us by the circumstances in which we find ourselves right now. Oh, because that, ha- that good thing happened, God must love me. 
God must be for me. Oh, because this tragedy happened, this difficulty happened, this circumstance happened. God's not, God doesn't like, if God loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. If God loved me, if he was for me, this, I wouldn't be in this circumstance. I wouldn't be in this situation. And so our, our sense of love and acceptance and, and relationship and closeness to God, if we're uncertain of that relationship and that, and that love, then it'll cause us to look for um, reassurance. And, and that's a dangerous thing when we're looking for reassurance in the circumstances because it's easy then to interpret those things through our own filters, our own insecurities. And that's what happens in relationships. When you're insecure, you, you begin to look at reactions and, uh, and, and um, actions in our partner and, and we interpret those. What did he mean by that? Or what did she mean by that? And, and it's, it, it ends up breeding difficulty and breakdown. C.S. Lewis said in his book, A Grief Observed, what do people mean when they say, I'm not afraid of God because I know he's good? Have they never been to the dentist? Just because someone's good doesn't mean at times they may bring pain. The dentist brings pain because he's getting rid of, it could be, you know, infection and root canal. Um, there's something going on that's killing us. The dentist, it doesn't matter how hard you grip the chair, the drill's going to keep drilling. It doesn't matter how much you go, ow, 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 ow. They want to get that out because they know if they don't get it out, it's going to kill you. It's going to get septic and then it'll get into your blood and you're going to die. So sometimes God allows things into our world which we interpret as, God, you, you're not for me. Where are you? Why are you doing this? Only later maybe to realize that like a surgeon, he's coming in to take something out or to deal with an issue that down the track was actually going to destroy our life. God is not just there to make us happy. He's there to make us healthy. He's there to make us whole. He's there to make us uh, full. And he's there to bring his life his blessing and his favor in our lives through Jesus Christ. And then to bring us to a place where we're not just healthy, but we're able then to bring health to others. That's why, you know, I love those videos because it makes us, reaffirms the fact that we're not just here for ourselves. God doesn't just save us and and come into our lives and and transform our life just for us so we can turn up the church and go, woohoo! I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But through our transformation, we then go out. And, you know, as a, as a denomination, as a campus of, of uh, C3 and then the, the, the wider movement, we are about changing lives. We're about going out, as you saw, you know, just two couples there. Us, in, you know, 15 years ago, over and over again, uh, the message of uh, we're not living for ourselves. And it doesn't mean everyone's got to go out and start a church, but it's about a mindset. I'm coming not just for myself. When I come on a Sunday, it's not like, do I feel like coming or not? I mean, I'm the pastor, obviously, I've got to be here. But, but you know, filtering it through when you're waking up in the morning, if it's just like, oh, do I feel like it? Do I not? I don't know. Rather than, you know, I need to be there because someone else is going to need me there today. I'm not just coming for myself. I'm coming to be there for someone else. A new person might turn up that I can encourage, that I can welcome, that I can pray for, or someone's going through a hard time. Um, and so we're, we're in this mindset of I'm here to build the kingdom. God, save me. That, and, and because I know that I'm loved. 
because I know that I'm accepted, I know that I'm forgiven, then I can reach out, not, not reaching out because I'm wanting love back. I, I'm desperate for love and so I'll reach out for love, hoping and wishing that I'll get something back. But because I'm already full, because I already know, because I'm already loved, I can reach out. And if they reject it, I'm okay. If they say no, I'm okay. If, if, if it's not reciprocated, I'm okay. Um, so there'll never be enough good circumstances to convince you that God loves you, and there'll always be circumstances to convince you that He doesn't. That's the reality of life. Mark 4.37. Uh, if you know the story, it's when the disciples got in a boat and they went out, and it says a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was, it was already filling. It was filling up with water. The boat is sinking. I've ever been in a situation in life where you feel like, my boat is sinking. These storms, there's stuff happening. My boat is filling up with water and I'm going down. And it says, but Jesus, he, he, which is Jesus, but he was in the stern, he was in the back of the boat and he's asleep on a pillow. He's asleep on a pillow. The boat's filling up with water. It's a massive storm and the disciples are freaking out going, we are going to drown and the Messiah doesn't give a rip. And it says, they woke him up. Oi, you, <laughs> wake up. And this is what they said. Do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? So in other words, circumstance, interpretation. This is bad. God doesn't care. Do you not care that we are perishing? He arose, he rebuked the wind and the sea. He said, peace be still. The wind ceased, the, the seas come. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What was he saying? I'm pretty harsh. I think it's a pretty harsh comeback if you ask me. <laughs> I mean, they're about to die. <laughs> he goes, where's your faith, boys? Sheesh. Um, you know I'm not a morning person. It's probably what he said. <laughs> Waking me out of my sleep? Probably not. <laughs> um, but what he's saying is, don't determine whether I care, whether I'm going to be there, whether I'm coming through based on the circumstances in which you're finding yourself right now. Even if I appear asleep, even if I appear uh, quiet, even if I appear like I'm not there, I am there and I am in control of the circumstances of your life right now. That's the message that Jesus was giving to us. And so it's important that we understand, if we're able to love ourselves in a healthy way, be confident in who we are and how God's made us, and then to be able to reach out in love and not always, I mean, it's good to get it, but not always needing reciprocation, people to go, oh, you're awesome, oh, you're fantastic, oh, thank you for doing that. And it's, it's good to do that, it's important to do that, but, but that we don't need that constantly because we know we know that God first loved us, that his love is unconditional, that Jesus Christ is the message that how much God loved us. That, and therefore, we know that we're loved. We know that we're secure in that love. We're aware of the fact that, uh, as Paul says in um, Romans 8.39, he says, For I am persuaded. Everyone say persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what Paul said. Now he says, what persuaded him? He says, I am persuaded. What persuaded him that he couldn't be separated from God's love? Surely it wasn't his circumstances. I mean, read the book of Corinthians. Read through the the book of Acts. He was in some tough situations. He'd been beaten. He'd been stoned. Beaten with rods four times. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been adrift at sea on his own all night. I mean, you read through the list of things, his, his CV, if you like, and his understanding that he can't be separated from God's love cannot be based on his circumstances. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was adrift. He was chased. He, you know, he, he couldn't say, oh, God loves me because I got such an awesome life. No. So what persuaded him? Surely it wasn't his goodness. Oh, I just know I'm so good. God's going to love me. He's a murderer. He was there holding the cloak of the guy that killed Stephen. He went around chasing people from their homes, Christians, bringing them out, having them persecuted, families separated. The guy was a, was a, yeah, a Pharisee. He was a rough guy. He broke up families. He beat people. He was like an underworld figure, a religious underworld figure. So his assurance that God loved him could not have been based upon his circumstances and couldn't have been based upon the fact that he knew he was a good guy because he wasn't. What was it based on then? He says this in in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's important that we also understand this. This is the Apostle Paul and he writes and he says, For he, that's God, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, for me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, he knew that his relationship with God was not based on his circumstances. It wasn't based on his goodness. It wasn't based on his ability to be good, to follow God and do all the right things. It was based on the fact that God sent his son into the world to die for his and our mistakes, wrongdoings, breakdowns, our dysfunctionality, our, uh, all our issues. Jesus Christ came and took that so that we might take his righteousness and his life and stand right before God, knowing that he loves us, that he's for us, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, not because of us, but because of him in Jesus' name. Amen? If we know that, if we know that, in our heart, if we believe it, as it said at the beginning, then we're assured in our life. Then we can love others. Then we can love ourselves. Then we can be effective. Then we can go out and be salt and light. Then we can go out and be uh, and love the world despite their dysfunctionality, despite their thing, despite their rejections. Jesus said this, and I'll finish with this, Matthew 5.43 talking through the, through the Gospels and the Sermon on the Mount. Then he says, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to be part of the kingdom. He says, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Say, so how can I do that? How can I love someone if they're not giving love back? Because he said, and the, under, the underpinning truth is, because you know God loves you. 
You know God's for you. So be like this, uh, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He says, how as a Christian, as a believer, are you any different to any other person if all you do is love the people that love you back? You're no different. There's no distinction. He says, the power of the gospel, the power of Christ in our lives is the fact that we're able to do things that other people can't do. We're able to forgive when people persecute us. We're able to let, let go when people hold things against us. We're able to turn the other cheek when people offend us, when they undermine us, when they say things that are untrue, when they say things that are, that are unjust, when they stab us in the back. And none of those things are pleasant. None of those things are, are good. And none of those things we desire. But Jesus is saying, there's something in you that's different. And it doesn't come out of you. It comes out of Him. And he says that you're able to, uh, if you're just loving those that love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do that, he's saying. Anybody will do that. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? If all you're doing is loving those that love you, if all you're doing is hanging around with people that you know accept you and embrace you and are supportive of you, he says everybody does that. Even tax collectors, there's a distinction about us as believers. There's a distinction. And the fact is that we know God has loved us. We are, we are conscious of the fact that God so loved us that He sent His Son to purchase our salvation, to set us free, to bring us out of, out of bondage and, 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 um, and imprisonment, incarceration, spiritually, emotionally, physically, Financially, in our world, incarcerated through sin. And Jesus came to break open the doors and to set us free. And if that's not a demonstration of His love, then we don't know what love is. Because it says, before we loved Him, Jesus came. He didn't come in response to our love. He didn't come in response to our goodness. He didn't come in response to something that we were doing that was lovable. He came because He is love. And as Martin Luther said, because God loved something that was unlovable, He made it lovable. There was nothing about us that was lovable, separated through sin. And yet because He loved us, we became lovable. When we reach out to somebody, that doesn't deserve it, when we forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, when we are generous to somebody who doesn't appreciate it, when we act like God in Christ Jesus, then we are demonstrating the gospel. And we're not just living our lives like everybody else lives, giving to get back, loving to receive. But we are able to give out like God did, not because the thing's lovable, not because that person deserves it, just because God asked us to do it. That's what church is about. That's what we're doing here today. The people that are getting water baptized today are saying, you know what, God, I want to be like that. I want to live my life different. I want my life to count. I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to, I want to live in the power of your word, the power of your spirit. I want to live different. I want to make a difference. 
That's how you make a difference. Empowered by God's Spirit to live a different kind of life that separates us, sometimes for persecution, sometimes for elevation, sometimes for applause. But that's not the motivation, is it? If anybody's serving God because you're wanting uh, appreciation, applause, I'll tell you, it's not going to take long. You're going to be disappointed. (laughs) You do it because you understand and have God has revealed to you His love and acceptance and forgiveness for our life. And it motivates us. It constrains us. It pushes us on to make our life count in Jesus' name. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. When we were separated in sin and wrongdoing, when we were going our own way in our rebellious autonomy, shipwrecking our lives, God, you came and you rescued. You came. You came. You came when we didn't ask. You came when we didn't deserve it. You came out of your own initiative. Your own initiative. Reached down into our world. Brought love, acceptance, restoration, favor, blessing, abundance, life, hope, and love. In Jesus' mighty name.